Yo, entrepreneurs! thanks for tuning into the podcast. This is the place to help you start and build a disruptive brand and impact the universe. You're locked into the grind where we give you the inside track, what goes on behind the scenes while we start our new business. Hopefully you'll learn what it takes to launch a successful brand as we share our learnings with you. I'm Matt Thorne, aka Sketchy Media. I'm Phil Kemish, aka Phil Kemish. And I'm Nish Solanke, just Nish Solanke. On this episode of The Grind, we talk about what it takes to raise money for your business. I'm following the R's of last week. We are following all good alphabets with the S. And this week we are talking strategy, SEIS and seed capital. It's coming up. Yes, people, welcome to The Grind, the one and only place to hear symphonies of startups being sung by, you know, a misassembled X-Factor boy band. Hey, don't don't criticise an X-Factor boy band, all right? We've all been there. That's why it's misassembled. It's like you lost your uh, talented singers and then you replaced them with Matt and Nish. I just need Simon Webb back in there. Where's Simon Webb when you need him? What is Simon Webb doing now? Nish, Jay Sean, can you hold a tune? Mate, come on. When have I ever let you down on holding a tune? He can sing. I've heard Nish sing. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd, sometimes it's we never play, something that I've come across. Sometimes we play squash and then obviously we, we don't go shower together. But Nish goes in the shower <laughs> and then I'll hear like a hum just come from the shower of like Nish. just the sweet echoing. startup symphony. Yeah, yeah. Sing what do you sing? What's your go-to My go-to lyric? track is one of two. It's either Craig David Seven Days. I knew it was going to be a Craig. I knew it was going to be a Craig David. It'll be a Craig David Seven Days, or it'll be a classic Donnell Jones R and B oh. number from back oh. in the day, just just to soothe. What's you know? up? What's up? Best believe that. High five, brother. Um, I bought the. So you know, I got my uh, my LP player working finally, guys. Yeah. My House of Mali. Stir it up. Big up House of Mali, ex client. Um, I got it working, and I bought went and bought the Craig David classic album born to do it and it was my first my first drop was on that it's so nice to listen to records like I've just can I just say before we go in this podcast it's so nice to listen to a full album like in a glory like you were just chatting about Kanye West album like I don't know what it's like but it's probably not Craig I David's mean, album wasn't uh, of a similar level. did but, you like it um it was I don't even know he had a new album what's going on with me did I you? did know that it did had you? a new album coming out but I didn't know what the so the history was he was meant to come out with an album called Yon which is called uh, we're gonna say Yonkers then, something like that. but that got leaked, so he canned it, and he's pretty much brought out all this Sunday service thing into like a gospel. All right, oh, okay. production wise, it's all right, but I mean, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit. So, I mean, there's, there's it's pretty decent, it's not like Jesus vibes. No, it's not like Jesus vibes. I mean, it's really nice, man. Like, you know, it's a really nice soulful numbers. There's an amazing Kenny G sax. What solo? What actual Kenny G? Kenny G. Actual Kenny G. Solo. Yeah. Right, just send me With that track. a record that has the clips, so both Pusher and his brother, who now obviously he left hip hop to go into the church and become, and he does like um, Christian hip hop and stuff. So you got the so on this one track you got Kanye production, Kanye rapping clips back together, and a Kenny G sound. What? So it's really good. Okay, but yeah, I mean, that, that I want to hear that tune. The album's only 20 minutes as well. So it's Thank God, because it does not sound like my thing. <laughs> exactly. But going back to that thing of like the li- listening to a record again, the one thing about Craig that I remember so much was when he dropped Seven Days, I fucking wanted that album so bad not to wait for that album. Do you remember that feeling when you just really wanted your really... I used to love wanting an album. Yeah. That, 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 the one. that album did 7 million internationally. 
that's a big album. Like that was one of the breakthrough albums, obviously from Southampton, so that's why I know so much. And going back to vinyl, when we released the record that we did with Getz, oh, yeah. my favourite moment was when we pressed up the vinyls for it because one, the artwork that I did was like 12 inches, not like a little CD, but it just looked fantastic. It have was, you got one? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a vinyl. I don't have a vinyl. Wait, wait, you guys don't have the vinyl. I don't Do you know. know what? I've not even got a CD. Have you got the CD? Yeah, I've got a CD. How many have you got? Can I have one? I don't know. I, I don't even know where they would yeah, be. Yeah, by the way, for people that don't realise this, me and Matt had a label once and we released an album with our what favourite. What was the label called? Disrupt. Disrupt. Oh, the label. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. Right, once yeah. we figured out that music was a slog that we weren't necessarily wanting to indulge in for the long term, although we really enjoyed doing the album thing and work with Gets was literally brilliant. It was such a good experience in terms of marketing as well and doing going through that whole roadmap was great, but we ended up just going back into the brand world, which is what we'd done previously. Yeah. Music's always been a soundtrack, and we started off this podcast by talking about music, but I think actually it's something that we all are very connected to. Um, yeah, and we can we can talk about other stuff in brand but actually like the hip-hop and the kind of, I guess, grime has kind of been a soundtrack for this brand. And we've talked about it even on the, on the brand stuff for Reebok. That could be really interesting when we do some partnerships and music will be something that we, we delve into on a cultural level. One of the pillars, definitely. Yeah. So I get back on Reebok before I start talking about Craig David's albums anymore. Yeah. Um, so you, you've been fasting intermittently or non-intermittently. I just have a day where I don't eat anything. Irregularly. Irregular fasting, is that that's a thing? A Wednesday, every Wednesday. Just don't eat. Mm. So oh, today... So we'll do squash on Wednesdays then? Yeah, which I don't mind. <laughs> so do you not eat all day? Don't eat all day. You eat the evening? No. What, no food all day? I think my, my last meal... Wait, 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 wait. A, wait, hold on. So my last meal would be on a Tuesday evening at around about half seven. And then that's it. And then I won't eat again till Thursday morning. How long have you been doing this for? About, about a month. And are you hungry AF? No, I'm fine now. But Were you hungry? Day, no, on the first day. You're allowed black coffee though, so it's like intermittent fasting. But I have one cup of black coffee. I mean, I shouldn't really, uh, but I'll have one. This makes no sense to me. One, because I can't even picture going a whole day without food. I, I will literally murder someone. So, I, th so, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and talk about all the health benefits, but I know that there's a net health benefit yeah. in that. And I think the big one that I can remember is... How? Um, there are... There are certain blood cells that are dead in your body that by not eating anything, it means that they get extracted away and new and new cells form. So that, Who that's paid for this research? Oh, no, I know. No, it's similar to intermittent fasting. It's, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. very similar thing. Your body kicks in different modes when you've had a... a we, we gorge as animals. Like we just eat because it's there. We don't, we're not supposed to eat four or five times. Like that doesn't supposed to... Humans weren't supposed to be like that. We would eat when we could eat. And then we well, we're hunter-gatherers. Hunter-gatherers. So it, it, I do understand it. that I... Under, I'd, and I did intermittent fasting and I said I felt a lot better I, I agree with you a whole day would be difficult for me as well yeah. but if you can do it I think what we should do is we'll catch up in a month and see like what you've actually like you've done a month of it now what are you hoping the result is? I think it's less about the health benefit more about the will to get through it in a day okay do you know what I mean? mindset stuff yeah 100% just overcoming something in your head okay. and saying to you yeah. need to fucking eat you're going yeah. oh, fuck you I mean, yeah. I like <laughs> I mean it's, quite, it's quite it's quite one to it's quite one to, to try and tackle no I like yeah, it I mean if I'm going to challenge one thing in a day it ain't me to not eat yeah, that's but, for sure so fair play but you know it's like a case like you don't need to fucking eat like you don't need to eat Hey, I need to eat yeah of course I'm hungry now you're just talking about food I need but to eat some food like I don't need to eat like on this day I'm not going to do it and that 
and Wednesday becomes a day where like I like I don't necessarily train or go to the gym I don't do anything on that day it's just literally just an opportunity for me to just like like boost up my own fucking willpower so you've, you've changed hump day to hungry day basically <laughs> mate you wait till it comes to fucking Thursday morning mate what's your first breakfast on a Thursday I have porridge oh that's dead porridge <laughs> <laughs> you're telling you're telling me you starve for like 30 hours to eat porridge because also no, no way no, you got this wrong no because i right so then i have the porridge to then go to the gym then after the gym then i'm like fully in then it's just like a fucking poached egg on toast and shit. <laughs> what's this called you, you know, calm like, down nish you know, intermittent <laughs> fasting is called intermittent fasting like what is the not wednesday eating called like have you made this up idiot fasting that's no, what no, it sounds no, like no, to me what would you call it <laughs> Just fasting, one well, day, one day fast. But you need a cool name. You like, you always need like, you know, when diets have a you cool name. You can pioneer this. You need a new, well, you need a name for it. So if anyone can think of I'm a sure name, everybody ha- like does. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that do this. Well, I don't know if there's any other people out there like really shout out to us and let us know. Mono fasting. <laughs> Mono fasting is nice. <laughs> one day a week. Singular fast. <laughs> Anyway, hey well, Nish, fair play to you, mate. I can do that. Thanks, food mate, food is the staple you. of my day, yeah, thank and you, mate. I can't yeah. even go past one o'clock without eating, otherwise, everything just crumbles. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We're, we're going to go from life, uh, from a dietary uh, strategy to uh, business strategy now. Look at that segue, mate. Boom, I'm getting good at this. this 14 weeks in. <laughs> um, we're actually talking about specifically the investment strategy today, aren't we? Yeah, so this is off the back of obviously the last episode. We were talking about some of the milestones. Obviously, like we had 66 days with, you know, with a defined idea of what where we wanted to get to. But I guess now we just have like milestones. We have destination points on this highway <laughs> of getting to it. Route 66. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. There you go. Oh, so we just branded it as well. Going, I guess one of those yeah, like that. big signs that it we'll be money. looking at is going to be yeah. investment, right? So. Yeah, like, at the end of the day, you unless you've got the, the massive deep pockets yourself, you have to take outside investment to scale a business. And we are going through that process, which we started learning about um, probably as we started the like the idea but we knew straight away this was a business that we said if we're going to do it properly we have to raise money yeah but we didn't we've not like with our last last business we did it from a bedroom to sell no investment other than our own personal like money and time but yeah i've said it a few times that i'm really i really believe in like the bootstrapping approach quite i feel like i'm quite frugal what's bootstrap for anyone doesn't maybe like bootstrap literally means strapping up your boots (laughs) and uh (laughs) figuring it out (laughs) making it keeping it lean 
is the is how I say. So essentially, literally not taking on any external funding, funding it yourself from your bedroom, doing whatever you need to do by all means necessary to be able to get something up and running without expenditure, keeping your overheads low. And you know, we're we're all up for that. We did that with our previous businesses, and it's actually something we chatted to Gary V about because. You know, when we were talking to him about investment strategy at various points of our business, the ideation side, he was much like, if you don't need to take capital, don't take it. You guys know this and you know he's right. And to many to many extents, we do believe in that approach. But once you start fleshing out your business, you start seeing how hungry this business is going to become and the capital requirements needed. So we're just in this first phase raising our first 150k which is under the SEIS scheme which is a tax relief scheme for people who uh, want to offset tax money and it's actually very favorable to them as well i think it works out like if you put 10k into a business seed enterprise investment scheme seed enterprise investment scheme and what's it what's the maths on it it works out as if yeah, you it's like like 40% risk potentially something like yeah that. so if you put 10 grand's worth of capital into a business that is raising via seis the capital risk to you once it's offset against your tax is only like four grand so you know it's almost like a no-brainer yeah. especially if you picture the upside of yeah. some of the businesses you can invest uh, uh, in and you've got pretty, a network. it's pretty appetizing right? yeah and this Absolutely. is great for i guess what what people would call angels uh, i love that word, like high angels. net worth Angels Individuals. come out of heaven with the money and they're just going to give it to you. Doesn't it's not as simple as that. Um, some of them come from the bottom and they're like, ah, money. Uh, but like they're, they're yeah, they're angels, high net worths who who want to invest in multiple businesses. Generally, these people will not take one roll of the dice. They might see, I don't know, five businesses a year and put a bit of money in, um, and not and mainly just money, not time. Like this is very much a kind of money stage and we call it people other people call it friends and family friends some and people, family around, yeah. some people will go to their like generally a lot of the people we're going to it are people that we know who might technically have some extra cash as well they're but, our friends or our family yeah. some of them aren't blood family but you know they're family regardless they've been around us for a long time seen us grow and they believe in us and entrepreneurs and they're willing to stick you know a, a little bit of capital in to, to be on board in the journey and some of those people are strategic on Phil and I's part. They're like consultants we're bringing in to work on the business that we hope will invest in the long term. So we're not just literally going to our friends and family because that's not necessarily the right thing to do. Although we could probably fill, well, we can fill our seed round if you like on friends and family. There is a still a large portion of that that we need to be strategic to add weight, credibility and value to the business that we're building. And that will get us to the next stage. And we only want to take on that first 150K because we believe we can build, validate and do the unit economic side of our business with that 150K, hopefully with some uh, spare change in our back pocket. So and people do it it's tactical. Yeah, people do it at different times as well. I think timing is a real interesting part of the strategy. So example, we are raising the money pre-revenue, which is what you would say, whereas we're not up and running we haven't got numbers so we're basically basing it on our roadmap and what we've what we've delivered in partnerships and team so there's different ways of doing it some people yeah, is that pretty standard well i don't i don't, I don't think there's a standard way of doing it i think when you look at the type of business we're trying to create the key component to this business is not just can you prove that you can sell something and buy something it's we're proving that we can get to the end destination by putting a team in place and getting certain technology in place and acquiring certain partnerships. So our metrics are different. And I think that's the key thing is when you're looking at 
what you're going to do for that round. And the good thing about this first round is those those initial angels shouldn't really be looking too much at the metrics and things that you're delivering. They should just believe in you guys and hopefully 150K kickstarts off the massive idea and they'll make their money back at different rounds. But we're still being quite pragmatic in that approach and saying, well, here's what we're spending the 150K on. Like we've thought of a plan. It's going to get us to a seed round and these are the things that we're going to put in place. So tell me what the plan is or needs to be like how well defined does it need to be um well you need to be able to articulate to people whereabouts the money will go so we have a breakdown of where the money will go and then we have a kind of let's say a line or a line in the sand which says we will get us to an mvp so a minimal viable product of the business and we will show proof of concept which means we'll show that the concept in is working people are trading in phones with us people are buying phones from us we haven't set KPI numbers, we've just said we will prove that. And we'll prove the unit economics yeah, of how much to, that costs us. To be honest, us. this all comes down yeah. to one thing, is the unit economics. If we believe we can buy and sell people's phones at a different value than everyone else in the market and we can become profitable, we're just essentially proving that. So the system underneath it is important, but it's not like we have to build a full app to prove that. Yeah. We can keep this super lean. So our MVP is like a proof of concept to get us to an MVP, if you like. But we've got all the building blocks in place we've got the technology side we've got the system side ready to deploy in there but also it can just be as valuable for us to hire two or three key people in this space into the business with that money not saying we're doing that but that is part of the consideration is so it sounds like the two most important things are one that the like they're going to be investing in you and yourself as well as the unit economics of the business those are the two most important. Uh, and what is unit economics? Obviously, I'm just like whoever. Do, I something that's kind of come up, come up quite a bit, and in, in that conversation, what does that mean if you're trying to put together a business plan? The unit economics is simply: can your product deliver the margins and the profitability that you think it can? And it's a theory. Like we've got quite a we've got quite a complex financial model in our business because there's loads of different scenarios that may happen on Rebox with with a customer, whether that's them buying, and, buying or selling a phone, trading a phone in, whether they're selling it directly in the marketplace to get more value or they're selling it instantly for cash. There's loads of different business models in there. And each of those uh, different avenues, if you like, of engaging with Rebox has different profit and loss attached to it. There's different costs attached at different touch points. So if we're going to be able to say, hey, this is a really profitable business, look how much money we're making from this channel, look how much money we're making from this channel, and look how much money we're losing from this channel in some cases. But actually, if we lose money on this channel, we'll get a repeat customer here and here. So we're just proving the the fundamental parts of the business from a monetary perspective, the business model, what that breaks down to, how profitable can it be, and how scalable is it? You know, we're building a finance plan around, okay, well, this is what 100 phones look like. This is what a million phones would look like, you know? Uh, and, and, and it's very complex. Yeah. And that 150,000 um, pound is the, the top of the, that's the amount, maximum amount you're allowed to raise in, to raise in SEIS. So that's like your kind of cap. And then you, you trickle over into something that's called EIS, um, Enterprise Investment Scheme, which there you're allowed to take larger scale amounts of money. I think that goes up to 2 million, um, could be more, I'll double check in a second. So that will maybe be a bit more, more of your interest, um, 
institutionalized investors, your VC companies, that people start to look at you and if they're gonna put half a million pound in, or, you have to approve the stuff that Matt's talking about. You can't jump to that round. For just on that, is there a certain time period by which you're granted that, that you have to raise that money by? Um, I'll double check, let's have a look. No, no I think, I think it's, it's open-ended, so but let's raise, have a look. But, re but so really- you raise your 150 anytime. You can raise your 150 and go straight to your EIA. Yeah, EIS. but it has to be. There's a there is a rule around how long you've been trading for. I think um, that's the rule. Yeah. Well, oh, sorry. To get so this is really important to to become as a business registered on SCIS or EIS, you have to go through a process which costs money. So in order to be able to be applied, you have to be trading as a business. And it's not granted, you don't get it. You don't just get it, you have to fill out quite a substantial form on what the business is, why you should be granted these, basically these tax um, write-offs for your investors, what you're gonna do with the money, what the business does. Um, we used a platform called Seed Legals, which we did all of the advanced assurance through. We've actually done it for two businesses now, one previously, which we did not through Seed Legals and one through Seed Legals. And the process through Seed Legals is great. And Seed Legals is just a platform that helps startups with their It basically legal takes all the legal headache out of it, finding a lawyer, having to do all these long processes. They've built tools that automate this stuff. And as a product person that I am, it's really good. And it's helping us simplify and demystify, if you like, this kind of investment back end. cost in doing that? up front yeah the cost is around a thousand pound for application for application yeah. and there's no guarantee you'll get that but if you do take you know you can go online you can read about this and you can you can look at the criteria um also your investors have to be registered as seis, SEIS available okay, like so they, they yeah. have to also register yeah, so, part of the scheme, yeah. so it's great but you will find you know in my view you will find most people who are angel investors are looking at SEIS because of the, the benefits or EIS. So generally those two things go hand in hand, but your business, it does take a bit of time. It takes six, six to eight yeah. weeks. So I would say if you are thinking about it, get it in early. Like we did it in, we did it really early. We did it we, almost as soon as we registered the business because we knew we we're going to have to raise some capital, especially for at the early stage. And there's certain businesses that you can't apply for SEIS on. Remember like we were looking at the financial businesses and stuff like that. There's some like loopholes. There's certain businesses you're not allowed to get the relief on. To get yeah. the relief on. So do you do a bit of homework? But honestly, if you are going to raise money, it is pretty much anyone who's going to put money in in that first round will want you to be. Yeah registered by. and even the second round the eis is yeah. really important and, and that is typically for institutional investors or uhnwis they're called yeah anyone In know anyone know what that means ultra high net worth individuals is an acronym so people with serious cash that can afford to put in a million pounds into something you know that's that's where they see relief on the EIS if they want to double yeah. load of capital into something can i just ask on the unit economics just to dial it back to that how accurate do you reckon they need to be I mean, we've got ours down to a scientific formula and essentially it's not about how accurate they are now. That's what we're trying to prove. We're basically, we're, we've got a thesis, which is here's what we believe our unit economics can be based on these four scenarios of customers we've reboxed. Part of the 150 is to fund us to be able to go and prove these because if we get these right, then we have a business that's really worth investing in and scaling. If we get these wrong then we obviously need to rethink things a little bit. And the work in theory is we've done it to a point where we know where this business becomes unprofitable and not worth it. And we know what dials to turn based on that. But again, we've just got to get out into the market and, and play it out in real terms because that's what it comes down to. Getting I just out. got the uh, SEIS 
um, company things real quick, which is, yeah, you, it has to be a new qualifying trade. So it can't be a company that's been trading for more than two years. Yeah, you're not allowed to or trade. Or like Matt it. couldn't have been trading for two years and then come into my company and just raise SEIS. So, you, you know, you, there's, a, there's a something around that. Less than 25,000 employees, no more than 200,000 pound in gross assets. Um, must not be on the stock exchange. Must not be controlled by another company. So there is some rules, but it's, it's generally made for startups and, and new businesses. So that's definitely part of the investment strategy and was the number one tick box for us to get SEIS registered and EIS registered. This has been the first time you've raised money. Mm. Are there any kind of, are there any similarities from other things you've done before in the past through your previous businesses or previous work that you've done that have helped you approach yeah, it's a sales process. Yeah, it's just like pitching for business. I was going to say, it feels it's, like mate, it's the same. Like we're doing decks, we're we're pitching. Although this time, I actually feel more passionate about the deck because I'm not trying to pitch to win someone's business. Those some of those decks were very tedious pitching for clients. I'll, I'll be really honest, but this one feels like I used to hate decks. Like I used to hate doing pitch decks because you'd spend a lot of time on them. Do you think you've been conditioned to love them, given how many you guys have done now? No, I just feel like once it's once it's like your baby and you're training it. So I liken this to my dog that I've just got recently. Like I'm getting the ROI from my dog because I'm spending the time training it and he's behaving well. This deck is like the same thing. I'm I love like that Matt Training talks. the deck to be like the deck that I want it to Matt be. And talks. when we take it out, it gets validated. Uh, Matt, I'm talk, like, yes. Matt talks about, in, in business terms, about dogs. It's amazing. What's Klaus's KPIs this week? Klaus? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs to be able to stay and you should over have there that. for five minutes without getting up. That's the current task. Love it. No, it, make, it makes you, sense. And how did you get Klaus for an acquisition deal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A joint venture with his with his partner. But no, it's it, unfavorable it, one of my partners. I invested a lot of cash into it. So the strategy does break down into components. There's quickly that, that one you just touched on, much match touched on there was the pitch deck really important that has been an evolution as you guys know who've been listening to the show from deck one to deck what's it seven now no it's, it's version 1.7 but that's the ninth inclination of the business so, so 70 decks so deck deck and pitch is is one so if let's say deck and articulating the idea is one um pitch and who you're going to pitch to i think this the strategy that i've been working on is who do you go out to so you have like your inner circle, like let's take this like an onion, like an inner circle who are like your friends who you might know, who you might text and say, I want to run this idea by you, you might be interested. Then you might have an outer circle, which is people they might know and they go, it's not for me, but Bob over there would might like it. And then you might have this third circle, which might be like people you don't even know who you just reach out to, who might you might do on LinkedIn. And Matt's done some LinkedIn stuff. I've done some LinkedIn stuff. Um, that third circle again, but I think you really on this first round, try to stay in your first two circles because of timing. You just haven't got the time to do everything. So you need to be focused and, you know, raising 150, it's not that much money if you break down the business and what we need to be raising over the next 18 months. And I think that's the thing. The second thing we've learned, Matt, is investment doesn't stop. The investment strategy is rolling because ultimately you're going to keep needing the power of this beast, which means you're going to keep needing to raise money. And Obviously, at some point you want to be profitable, but at the beginning of a startup, especially a startup that's a consumer business, the one thing we've learned over the last few weeks is that this will need some proper investment to push it to the points where we need it to push it to. And then what about conversations around percentages? So we've, we've yeah. valued our startup pre-revenue at a figure that we're comfortable with and that we can justify based on our initial kind of financial modeling, the assumed unit economics and getting the right team involved to be able to make this, well, get this to the first stage. 
So we've we've evaluated that, and really, it's just a conversation on whether people or not um, see the same valuation as us. And you know, we've evaluated it very conservatively for those first people, and it's only 150k that we can raise. So the maths is quite easily divisible. So it's like one percent. You've got to stick some cash in. That's what one percent's worth. You're either in or you're out. And some people may come back and say, well, do you know what? I'm only going to put in this for that 1%. Then you might have to change the goalposts a little bit depending on how important that person is. But but you have set terms. And what you want is when one person commits to those terms, they're usually called what is called your cornerstone investor. And then people will follow those terms. Because what you don't want to do is have, let's say you have five people all at different terms. Yeah, you can't negotiate that. So I feel one of the things we have learned, and this is that's a really good question, is that set out your benchmark, find your cornerstone investor, and then find people who are willing to put the rest of the cash in or one person, two people. I think the other thing we've learned is probably not best to go out to like 15 people and try and get each of them to do a little bit because it gets a little bit harder with paperwork and admin. And also just time, right? It's like we've already gone and seen a lot of people. Obviously, we've had a lot of people interested in, in the Reeboks proposition. We've got a lot of friends and family out there, right? And ultimately, this is what I was going back to saying earlier, which is about the strategic investments are the ones that we're putting at the top like the cornerstone investor is really important we want people that are on the inside that are going to be able to make the difference over people that are just with money and that's the priority list for us really mm. and we're still learning as we go i think definitely the, the last few weeks i know me and matt both are kind of really getting to terms with ourselves of what how investment works and what you need to to do in those like scenarios so we'll have we'll definitely have some updates but this you have to go in with the strategy i think that's it like everyone that we've met who has given us advice who have been there and raised money has been you really need to strategize not just this raise but how long does that six how long does that money last like it's all good telling you what you're going to spend it on but how quickly do you need to start thinking about the next money so one of the things that we've been working on is actually what is our i'm not going to go back to the road analogy but road map for investment not just strategy, the roadmap. And we've put that in the deck as well. There is a pretty much a three or four year like plan in the in the investment um, in the investment deck. And then there's some markers in the sand of when we'll need to raise money. Again, one of them being next year within Q2. So that's pretty much six So we're months. already raising for our second round now. Like this 150 is almost like housekeeping that we've just got to clean up to get us to the, the next level. But our sites are on the next round because we know how much capital we're going to need to deploy once we've built the first bit of system and we know what runway we need, which is really important. And just strategically, when you think about the capital, we're looking at the resource requirement of the business, how hungry the business actually is, you know, how many people do you need to staff in it? What are the overhead and operational costs? That's what we're raising the investment for, not just to stick in our back pockets. We need to make sure that we can operate this business with a long enough runway that will get us to the next round. So we need to give ourselves 12 months. You know, we're hoping that we will we'll raise enough for 12 months, but, you know, we only need it for six months and then we can raise again. We're giving ourselves that leeway to be able to make sure that we can carry on being sustainable and get as quickly to profit as possible. Have you thought beyond that second round? Mm. we have yeah we've we, got a we four year got, finance plan four, but yeah four year finance plan but the investment not past the next year do you think there'll ever be a time where you're not raising investment hopefully I'm just thinking in terms of like balancing people say that they won't but I hope that we're not going to be in that position 
you know, and it might be that the investment that we need will change. It might be that we need a line of um, debt funding, not equity funding. So instead of giving away parts of our business, you know, we're, we're borrowing money and paying interest on it. But there's been similar yeah. businesses in different countries that are just are on, you know, 40 million raise on raise on a raise just to give you the scale of where we're talking about 150 where the raise potentially on the investment roadmap not saying we have to go there but that's that's a company doing something similar raising that kind of money to go into a new territory we're just raising for the uk at the moment but eventually if we have to go to europe or the states or somewhere else we will have to raise bigger money this is the thing with consumer apps with consumer businesses you have to raise more money and some investors who have who we know who have been like look you know it's not a there's obviously some B2B element. This is a B2C. And business to consumer apps tend to be, as you can see from tube adverts, every week there's a new one. You've got get around at the moment. You've got this dentist one, smile. Like you have to put this business in front of people. This isn't a business that just, like just travels on word of mouth. Like it has to has to get out. But you know, that's that's what we we know. We've 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 worked in the teams on big startups where we're the marketing team, so we understand that sometimes that has to happen. Can I ask about um, what you're looking for in an investor? Because obviously it's a two-way, like it's it's a yeah. it's a two-way relationship, right? A lot of people would f feel fooled and they'll just fucking take any investment from wherever it comes from. But that's we've not been the right dating. Mentality. We've been dating. We we've been doing Tinder for for investors for a little while. We swipe left a few times, but we swipe right as well. Um, but no, it's true. Sometimes accidentally. <laughs> so it is completely true. Like there should be a Tinder for investors. Is that not a thing? Is that uh, look, honestly, and this is one of the things I wanted to say is there's so many platforms out there that say that they'll connect you to investors. Like I'm not joking. They come out of the woodwork. Ever since we started talking about this on LinkedIn, I'm getting LinkedIn emails all the time saying, we'll find you investors. And when we first start, started out in this process, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. But then you dig into the terms pretty quickly. You figure out how much money that those facilitators or networkers take. Um, yeah, there's, you've, got to, you've got to be careful yeah. on that. If you can do this first round yourself, you, then you do should. it yourself because you'll save yourself money, like fees and, and, and time to a certain extent, like if you can do it. But this is what I'm saying. That's why the strategic element of like drawing out your circles, like me and Matt have a deal flow. It's a sales funnel. Like from like, if you lift the marketing analogy you just talked about, what do we learn from our other business? How to pitch and how to get sales, how to win business. You have a sale funnel over here where you date the person, then you have the investment meeting, then you have a pitch meeting, and then you go for drinks. Like it's the same process. You're just applying the process to a different sort of person. pitching a business or pitching an idea. Same, same, same thing. thing. Same thing. But are there fundamental qualities that anyone should be considering when they're? talking to an investor and seeing whether they're the right fit. Uh, dude i think it's so subjective i think it all depends on you your business and who that person is like at the end of the day you, you've got the obvious characteristics of of people which is do you want to deal with someone with integrity what's that person like do you get along with each other do you have the same values obviously that's the the personality thing which i would say is probably the most important and then secondly is do you want them to be adding something to your business? Do they have the right skill sets, contacts, connections? Can these guys make a difference? Yeah, can and they make thirdly, a difference? Have they got money? Yeah. But again, it's completely dependent on your business and what you're looking for. Some people at this early stage, we know people that have taken almost all of their investment. You're talking like nearly a million pounds worth of investment just for one person yeah. and put all their eggs in one investor's basket and had to build a, a business relationship. I know people that have taken, you know, the 150 grand off a footballer 
because they don't want to have somebody who's going to ask any questions. They yeah. just want the money. Like there is different ways yeah. to approach this. When I when we talk about in strategy, I'm talking about know your own strategy because yeah. they're all different ways. We could have gone to footballers. Yeah. Like we just we could have gone to rapper. We could have gone to other people we know. But we've been very core at a belief that we need people in the business who are going to be in the business as in help us not have to be working every day but be able to make a phone call and go you're in you put some money and you should care about this make that next step to, to be really honest our, our our strategy is plug in our weaknesses and our weaknesses are the industry weaknesses in terms of the industry we're about to go in we're brand and product guys going into a re-commerce industry we need re-commerce people in that business to strengthen the credibility and that's the first investment we wanted to take. Yeah, and then the next investment was people that could bolster the marketing and brand side of it who are better than us in different areas. Performance, you know, other areas that we don't come X from. Ex-delivery, for X example. Delivery. People that have got the credibility to be able to operate in the type of business that we want to build to get it to that scale. Because if we ever need to raise 10, 15, 20, 100 million, we need to have the people that have been there and done that before, right? Because that's how you're going to raise it. So this first journey of the 150, when do you reckon you have an idea in your head when you'll be able to close that up? Yeah, I mean, we started it. To, yeah, to be honest with you, like people say to give six months for each round. I, w I would say this is not a round as in like a, you know, that's not like a, a seed round. But we have probably, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, started the, some of the investment conversations three or four months ago. Like initial, like we're going to be raising money for this. Yeah, it's true. Do you want to maybe come in at some point? It's only because we've taken longer on our ideation, we've had people with waiting for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had some people who've been waiting for a year. Like we've had some people waiting for two years. <laughs> like, but we, we there's no point in take. We, we don't want to take anyone's money until we know what we're going to do with it. Like that's been the thing. Like, don't just take people's money if you're going to try and do something and fail. Like we really want to have the best shot at this, which means we had to be ready before their money. Do you know what I mean? Because they got other investments they can put the money into. So six months, I would say, give yourself six months. Any other key bits of advice for anyone that's about to embark on this journey or trying to get investment? Start dating early. Just start dating, whether that's people that you want involved in the business or people that you might see value in the future. Like we're going for meetings with like venture capital, uh, venture capital companies and venture capitalists in case we need them next year, which we, which we may do. So we're having those meetings now. We're, we're starting that dating process because, you know, these things take time. You can't rush perfection. Yeah. I would say mine would be... Uh your network is your net worth. And I like, the more I start thinking about that circle analogy, like I come up with again, another like, but that, like starting with your inner network, you never know who they know. Like the amount of people who have introduced us to somebody who is now gonna come into the business, like you just don't know. Like, I, like you have to go out and speak to everybody because you never know who they might know. And you might even know, you might even not think they put money in and all of a sudden they're like, Do you know what, I really love the idea and I wanna back you. So I've been really surprised at that. And I think, you know, leveraging your existing black book will be where the first money comes from 100 percent. so that's that's the thing you have to do so that's investment 101 it's not perfect by any means and like there's so many ways of doing this i think that's the important thing to take away from this is like we spent a load of time reading media articles there's some amazing media articles out there on raising money we're not doing some of the things that they've suggested we're doing other things we're doing things that other people have said not to do there's really no uh right way to skin the cat so to speak so you know don't take what we're saying verbatim this is what's working for us and this is the strategy that we think and have been advised on is going to be the best way of doing it so you know you've got you've got to do your homework and, and it's it's a lot of intense reading like it took hours of time just understanding term sheets and 
doing those. Luckily, people like Seed Legals have really good articles on their website. So the internet has given us the information that we need to make this process a lot easier. Cap tables, everything. Like you just have to throw yourself in and learn it. And one thing I would say, that's a really good point. Make sure you learn it. Because if you go into a meeting and someone asks you a question and you can't answer it in terms of like the terms or conditions, like, you know, you got to look like you know your stuff, not just from a business point of view, but from a legal um, yeah, and, and I think the biggest thing for us before we even started this conversation was getting the valuation of our business down and figuring out what mathematics were going to get us to that point. How many sales are we going to do? What was the profitability of the business? Until you've really had a look at your finances and like really prodded at them, you're not going to be able to come up with a, a number because when ultimately you go and say to someone, we're valuing our business at a million quid, they're going to say, why? And you pretty much need to show that you can do that in one or two years without it being like a really hard stretch to figure that out. So do the finances first. That's the the bonus. That's the PS. I think this is going to be an ongoing theme over the next couple of weeks and maybe months. So if anyone has any questions or any queries or any suggestions and just let us know. Any advice, any investors want to have a chat? Definitely. Like we haven't closed the first bit. So once we do that, we'll have another catch up, but that's our, that's our little story so far on investment. And it's definitely a really interesting... That's going to be done. By the time anyone hears this, that'll be done. It'll be done. There'll be a recap article. <laughs> but it'll I'll, be done. There'll be a recap article on the site. But I'm sure we'll talk about it, like I said, ongoing as we keep on going through the stuff. And like I said, it will, uh, as we go maybe more into the shark infested waters, I think right now we're swimming with family, but as soon as we get out of the bay, <laughs> you never know when Jaws is around that corner. Love it. All right, on to the next one then next episode peace laters yes people thanks for blessing us with your ears tell us what you think keep us in the loop we'd love to get your stories questions and any topics you want us to discuss make sure you hit us up and leave a review on the podcast and we'll see you next week Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.